I feel so grateful that things have fallen into place. And the question was along the same lines of like, yeah, like I feel so lucky. Like you're saying, I have these incredible partners who have followed me into this new journey, who are supporting me, some new partners who are supporting me in this new venture. It, yeah, it's like, I sometimes think it's too good to be true. I, I can't believe I get to do this and I have this support and it's, I'm truly grateful every single day. And, but I guess if that hadn't happened or I hadn't fallen into this part of my life where everything is, I guess, clicking and I am finding this like happiness and joy and everything is falling in place, then it would be that step to find that. So it would be like, okay, then you would make that next shift. Like, what are you waiting for? If, if you're not happy with where you are, then try to help snowball things to, like to fall into where they are all fitting together and always um, kind of trying to find that where you are feeling your best, feeling the happiest and every day is joyful and you get to live in that moment that is bringing you happiness. And so it is partly on you to like make that step if you aren't happy with where you are and not necessarily everything's going to just fall in automatically or in place. And, and it's not always easy. It's definitely scary to make those changes and maybe they don't happen right away. But then if that doesn't happen, keep moving and keep trying to find that that place where things are coming together. Welcome to the Yogi Triathlete Podcast. We are Jess and Beach, and this is the place where we share stories of people looking, finding, and living their purpose. And today on the show, we get to check back in on one of those stories to see how it has continued to play out. We are delighted to welcome professional gravel racer and ultra runner, Heather Jackson, back to the show. <laughs> Our first episode with Heather launched in January of 2020, and so much has transpired since that time, including her retirement from racing triathlon at the professional level, and Heather and her husband Wadi becoming parents with the arrival of Stevie Pop, who was introduced to the world via Instagram last September. And yes, Heather, it was the content everyone was waiting for. Heather finished off 2022 in a huge way, having raced her final Ironman in Kona at the World Championships, then two weeks later, placing 14th female at the Big Sugar 100-mile gravel race, and then one one week later, took the ultra running scene by storm with her fifth place finish at Havelina 100, 100 miler after leading the race through mile 60. And most recently, she crushed the Black Canyon 100K after an iconic battle with heavy hitters like Keely Henninger and Ida Nielsen. She finished second on the day, coming in under the previous course record with a time of eight hours, 47 minutes, and 59 seconds. So much newness and unknown to dive into today. And of course, we'll be digging in for her treasures of wisdom, which she always shares so generously. And that said, we're so honored to welcome back the grateful heart and course crushing legend, Heather Jackson. Welcome back to the show, Heather. We are thrilled to have you here. Oh my gosh. That is literally, that is like the best intro ever. I feel like I said that the first time I was on, but <laughs> you just really one up yourself. <laughs> oh my God. Well, so kind. Was, I'm you. like, I, I can't introduce her as a professional triathlete. Like I get to introduce her as a professional gravel rider and ultra runner. And oh man, it has been just a blast in the little glimpses that we've had into this like burgeoning new field that you are just going, you know, diving off the cliff right into, which is no surprise to anybody that knows you. <laughs> no, I, re I really appreciate that. Yeah. That just, it still sounds yeah so foreign to me as, as well when you say <laughs> growl racer and trail runner, but I, lo I absolutely love it. So I'm excited. <laughs> how high, I mean, how high is this Stoke level right now? Like how just just reeled off a, a few things that happened in a short like four or five six months like how high is the excitement and appreciation for for what you've uh what you've uh placed yourself into in this unknown and now it's just like whew, here you go no totally it's it's been crazy to your question i mean it's i feel like i've been on this amazing high since i guess kona and it, it's so weird for me because my life was kona for 
six, seven, eight years and triathlon in general for almost 15 years. And so I think the months leading into Kona this past October were the opposite. They were kind of this, it wasn't, I don't mean tough in like a bad way, just tough of like kind of trying to digest um, how I guess shifting to something new would happen, what it would look like. Um, am I actually retiring? Am I just trying some new things? Am I, what actually motivates me and, and drives me? And to your intro of the show, finding your purpose or what, what, what you started with, it's like, yeah, it was crazy. It was triathlon was that for me forever. And, um, I think it just took, like you said, jumping off that cliff right after Kona this year to really find kind of this new thing that I wasn't sure at first. I wasn't sure if I was going to try these new things and it would be the same sort of fulfillment and, and joy. And it literally, it was, and it's beyond that. And so that's why I'm just um, on this high of like these new challenges, this new journey, this new, th these new goals that for me to go after. And so, yeah, it's, it's been an amazing, um, three, four, uh, yeah, almost four months now, I guess. So yeah, it's just, it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever think like where, like where would, like there's no end, like you've been a competitor in how many sports, soccer, hockey, triathlon, ultra running gravel, like where do you ever think of the possibilities of like where this will ever lead to? <laughs> no, and that's the thing. I feel like every time I guess my journey has kind of shifted a bit, it's never been like a planned thing or this is how it'll go. And this is, oh, okay, next I'll do this. It's been this, like when I played ice hockey for 20 years, I mean, I never, I didn't even know what triathlon was growing up necessarily. And I kind of fell into that a little bit and it became the joy in my life. And my, yeah, the last decade of it. And now same sort of thing. Like I thought, okay, I want to try one of these. I follow the sport of ultra trail. I follow a lot of the gravel events, um, that have become big recently. And I'm like, those look cool. Those are off-road. They're different, it's a different type of stimulation, different challenge. Like, um, the technical stuff you need to do just different things than on-road triathlon that can be very, I guess, structured and set. And so, um, that said though, like, I didn't know if it would be this full, I guess, jump in of this is amazing. And it was, and so that's, what's exciting where you never know if you will find, I guess, your next, your next joy that really drives you. <laughs> well, you started your ultra running career at one of the best, you know, if not the biggest, most famous party in the desert, the Havelina hundred, that five loop washing machine course, um, not that technical, uh, but you show up and, you know, I'm sure a lot of people knew your name. I'm sure a lot of people didn't. And one of the funny, funnest things is listening to the commentators. They're just like, they're just like, oh my God, like, oh, she went through that aid station. She didn't take any aid. Like, oh my God, like, what is she doing? And holy crap, like she's running at a blistering pace and all of that. So Havelina, let's, let's talk a little bit about that. You <laughs> led that race through mile 60. Um, did you feel like you were going out too hot? Were you just feeling like you just had no idea? So you just kept going? Yeah. I mean, I honestly, like, I didn't think it felt that hot, I guess. I just, I mean, that's, yeah, I had, I had no idea. I mean, yeah, I just... For, honestly, when they when the race started and everyone started running and I found myself surrounded by, I was probably with like three or four, a couple, maybe five guys just jogging at the front and it felt to me like a jog. And I was like, okay, this is like, I mean, I do a lot of my Sunday long runs with Ben Hoffman here in Tucson, really good friend of mine, Hoff. And I was like, oh, I'm just out for a Sunday run with Hoff. Like, this is great. Just everyone's chatting and like it was a conversational pay, um, pace. And so it's tough to be like it. Yeah. I still, I I've been asked this question since that race. And I'm like, I, at the time did not think I was going too fast necessarily. Um, obviously in these events, it's such a big learning curve where it does come back later, but I'm still trying to process now I've done two. The second one I just did a, uh, a couple weeks ago, like, I don't know that 
yeah, I don't know how you pace it where you're like, okay, well, this is what I'm going to end up at by mile eight, or I mean, hour eight, hour nine, hour 10. So I should start at that. Does that mean you'll go faster then or not? I don't know. I mean, it's such a crazy sport, a crazy challenge to kind of like comprehend and what the best approach is. I mean, I think I went out a little bit more conservative in this most recent one, Black Canyon, but I was still just like, okay, Sunday run, I guess. <laughs> but <laughs> this is coming from someone who has done two total. So, <laughs> well, it's hard if it's a comfortable pace to be like, to slow yourself down. Like, you know, right. it's almost, it can be actually be uncomfortable to, to, to run really slow. Um, so what happened around 60? Did those girls have another gear? Did you, did you downshift, um, slow down? Was it a combination of both? I, the main thing that happened was my quads were just shattered and they just like, it became painful to run. It wasn't, um, necessarily a fitness or I never, I never got to the point where I'm like, this is like, I'm so tired. This is such a long day. I think I had the endurance probably from years of Ironman. I never was really tired. I, I, the fueling, I felt fine. I was never really bonky. It, It hurt to take a step and load the quads And I just, I literally was trying to shuffle so that I wasn't like actually landing. I was kind of just moving them forward. And And that's the, that's the tough thing with that race is that it's, it's runnable. Right. It's all runnable. That's a good point. Actually. I didn't even think about that, that yeah, you can, you could technically run it the whole time. I mean, yeah. Have you guys done it? I've done the hundred K. Okay. Oh, that's awesome. I did the three loop and people would say to me, you know, if you're going to do a hundred mile, this is, this is a really good first hundred miles. So I think you, I think you picked well, but I mean, it's a blast too. Oh my God. Right. Yeah. right. No, after I was like, I, maybe I shouldn't have started with this one. Cause it's going to be tough to live up to <laughs> everyone. <after. laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I think it's, um, I think uh, I did my first trail race this year or last year as well. Uh, I think it was right after, like two or three weeks after Oceanside, and I was going into the unknown. But I, I had this, I had the same feeling of like I don't know how to pace it. I'm just going to go out and venture into this experience with no library file that says, you know, you need to hold a 7:30 or you know 7:15 pace, which is what we do in Ironman so many times. We're like, what's the pace I need to hit to be competitive with the people in front of me? And then you go out and you hit that pace. Exactly. And you get on the trails. <laughs> That is, that book is thrown out. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's why it's like, well, I don't, yeah, I don't know. Like what exactly, how do you know what you should go out at? I mean, I don't, yeah, I still don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but the best thing you can do is just be, and I've heard you talk about this, just be present, be, be there for that experience and see, am I going as fast as I can, knowing how much I have left to go and still feeling that excitement of being in the race because there is probably the unknown of going a hundred miles and then backing that up with going in the unknown of going a hundred K like you don't, you don't know, but it's, it's exciting. And I think you have that twist where it's more exciting versus fearful. Would you agree? Oh yeah, exactly. I try to just keep that always in my mind. Like, yeah, just the, we get to do this. We, I, I get to be out here and do this and see what's possible versus, I guess, yeah, the, the other side of things of like seeing the negative or I'm not doing what I want. Like if you set a pace for yourself, but you're not hitting it, um, then you can get down on yourself or get negative or like, oh, this isn't going as planned. Well, I don't have a plan, so I, it can't be going bad. <laughs> <laughs> How does it feel to be back in that beginner's mind? Oh, exactly. I love it. It's like, it's so refreshing. I mean, it's, I'm going to a race, meeting all these new people, like going after something that I've never done. So it's, yeah, it could go any way and that's okay. Versus I guess just the years of you do Ironman over and over. And for me, I I did a lot of the same races every year. Um, and I know the courses. I know exactly what's ahead. Partly that was, um, you learn a course, you can do better at it probably. And so I would return to say an Ironman Lake Placid, but I've also done that race six, seven times. So I know it. And it's not, you know what you're stepping into. This is just exciting. It's unknown. Um, it's yeah. Refreshing. And yeah, I guess I have that excitement back. (laughs) 
Have you gone into the laboratory yet to work on the the quad pounding? Have you have you taken that beginner's mindset and been like, okay, well, how can I push that out further? Because it's going to come. It's going to come. But how can I push that out further? Totally. That I'm well. That is literally top of list. I sat down after Black Canyon and I'm like, okay, well, I did it after Havelina as well. And I wrote, need to toughen up the quads, like downhill running. And this winter. Mm. I was doing a lot of just downhill reps at this hill right by our house in Bend. I was up in Oregon for most of December into January. And I was like, okay, I'm really loading the legs um, right now. But they were kind of short, short hill reps, I would say, um, downhill. And they were, I was also in deep snow. So now I'm rethinking if it was really beating them up too much. I mean, I would get sore, but it wasn't crazy, crazy. And then I got down here in Tucson where I am right now training and, um, I was doing some downhill running, but it was more, um, I guess, just gravel roads and not that steep a hill, I guess, as I probably need to be doing. This is my takeaway from now walking away after Black Canyon two weeks ago of like, I need to be on actual trail where every step down is actually like a, a squat versus like running, you know, a, a fast mile down a, a slight downgrade. It's definitely way different. You're you're almost doing squats um, with every step down, I guess, is my takeaway <laughs> as per my personal reflection. Again, this mm -hmm. is, but I haven't stepped into the next training block of like, okay, once a week, I'm going to go over to this trail and really just, yeah, pound them. <laughs> well, it's interesting because, you know, when we're running on the road, it, there's, you're not jumping over things. You're not leaping from one rock to another. And I would think you're, you're studying these girls, uh, when they actually can get in front of you at the race. Um, you're studying them and you're watching them run downhill, which in my experience is one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen is to see someone run fast on the trail, especially when it's technical and just be graceful about it. Totally. I literally, throughout the race, Keely, both Keely and Eda Nielsen kept coming by on all the downhills. They would just fly by and it was like they were floating by, landing right where you needed to land, like navigating the rocks and the terrain. Um, but they were still running downhill on the steep terrain. And I just felt like I was almost putting the brakes on every step, like almost like really just stopping myself every step um, and I'm sure that's what beat my quads up. And then also you just lose time. They were gone. And so I knew on all the uphills, I had to get time back or at least try to get back up to them. So I'd, I would push the hills and, and get back up or, or try to get a gap, but then sure enough downhill. Um, and that's what happened at the end of the race. I was with Keely till less than three miles to go. And there was this downhill and she just, yeah, like you're saying, gracefully just was gone down this hill. <laughs> <laughs> so we know that when we're when we're racing like presence is so important but have you found that racing on the trail takes the requirement of being present to a whole new level oh my gosh one thousand percent it is and i have just been working on that in my day-to-day -day, just being present being in the moment right now is what matters not thinking okay six months from now or it's like every day living in the moment and especially on the trail run, like I, before the race was like, I get to do this. This is, I'm going to appreciate every second out there, even if I'm hurting. And then sure enough, like two miles in, like, I think I was like looking around, not being present, not paying attention. And I was just down, like <laughs> tripped, caught a rock. I think I was trying to get my first gel out and just down. I'm like, oh my God, you need to really be present. <laughs> you got to know like your paces through or, or just really be in touch with your feel. Because if you start looking at your watch or I, um, I think I heard you say leading into it, something about like, you know, taking in the scenery, um, but you really can't, you can only take mm -hmm. in like a little bit. You can't get too distracted by the scenery because you're going down. Exactly. I went down oh my, so much this last race. It was way more technical than Havelina, um, which I wasn't also necessarily ready for. I just was picturing Havelina again. And so I was a little unprepared in that sense, but um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like you're saying, you have, you have to watch every step you're making and be that focused that whole time. <laughs>
Mm-hmm. In the hundred, in the hundred mile, did you ever drift like near the end of the race? Did you f- maybe be low on calories or anything, but where you felt like, you know, where am I or zoning out? I, and I, I referenced that to like, you know, Ironman, when you're on the bike, you can kind of get into a groove where you really don't have to th- think about much. Well, I'm, I haven't, obviously I haven't been a professional at that level. Maybe it's no, a totally. different, but I have been able to get in the bike and like, I can just focus it kind of zone out a little bit and you're just going on the, on the pavement. Totally. Yeah. I didn't, I knew I was getting low near the end. Um, again, when I was running with Keely and I could tell that I was just losing that focus, losing that like sharpness and maybe I was low on calories. Um, and it was one of the longer stretches of the race where there was, wasn't an aid station for almost eight miles. And so, um, I, that was partly what went down in those final three miles where I was waiting to see Keely pulled away on the final hill and it ended at the bottom of the hill with an aid station. And I was like, is she going to stop? I hope she stops because I I was hitting what you're describing at that moment, that point where I'm just like low on calories, starting to just lose focus, be kind of, yeah, out of it. And I knew I needed to take something, but I also was like, how can I get back up to her? How can I close this like 10, 15 second gap right now? And I, I'm still in my head, like, could I have skipped that and gotten through the last three miles and maybe saved some time? But I, in the end, I stopped and I grabbed a uh, quick, yeah, I had the guy fill my bottle with, I think it, it was just Coke or something. I'm like, just give me anything. Like, and I grabbed it and ran, but <laughs> the gap was already there. But it was like, you're saying, yeah, that like staying focused and staying on top of everything, <laughs> every moment. So did you not, did you not have a, a pack for both? So you raced pack less? You kind of just use the aid stations? Yeah, I yeah. just used aid stations at this one. I wore a back bottle at Havelina, just a back waste pack, which I left that. I kind of just did because I'm like, oh, everyone has carry stuff. And then, but I just <laughs> like had this like five pound bottle on my back. So I was kind of like, is it possible to run without like all this extra weight? I mean, that's also just a huge thing to, that will be on my list right now of like, how do I want to carry this stuff? I had two of those super soft gel flask, um, in each hand that I was running with. So I had liquid, but I just didn't like it necessarily on my back. I have to get one of those shoulder packs. I actually don't have one yet. (laughs) Yeah. I'm sure there's several companies that are, uh, you know, we'll be fighting to give you one. Uh, but those are great because, you know, they're built for running, right? Okay. So you pick it up off your floor after you load, after you load it up to put it in the car and you're like, my God, this thing's so heavy, but you put it on and it's like, you don't feel it. It's just all distributed very well. Um, and as you know, from ultra running, it's like eight stations can be three miles apart, eight miles apart, you know, like nothing yeah. is, nothing is as it appears to be. It's always a surprise. Right. That's what I'm finding very quickly. Yeah. I definitely need to, to find one of the, yeah, get one of the running packs. I have, a I forget the company. It's not Camelback. It's like a U S it's some brand for my, for the gravel racing. So I have a back kind of pack, but I tried running in that and it's not, but it's again, it's not a running one. So I was like, this doesn't feel great either, but <laughs> I think one of those, yeah, specific. <laughs> Yeah, something for racing. Like it's not something that you know that you want to shop and you know so you can put Stevie in it. Um, <laughs> it's the one that you're gonna need to race. I just had to get her a new pack actually because she outgrew the old one. <laughs> oh my god, she's so big now. Um, so we've been talking about all the things like with not all the things, but some of the things that are just so new and different with trail racing, like you know the level of presence and the technicality and all of that. Have you found anything that you have, like that your long career racing long distance triathlon um, can be or has been a bit of like a secret weapon, like a little bit of an advantage that you have that maybe if, you know, you hadn't had that 15 years of, of racing triathlon, like anything that's carried over that you're like, oh yeah, triathlon gave me this and now I'm using it to my advantage on the trails. Ooh, good question. I definitely think just the Ironman racing period transferring from that has been, um, a huge, um, I guess benefit or a huge, just, um, positive for me because I made a comment about that 
to, I think, Wadi or someone about how, well, yeah, but you get all these, you know, marathoners or these top professional runners are coming over, like the sport's growing, all these people are jumping in, but it's like, say, a professional marathoner coming over. I mean, their races are still two hours, two hours 20 or whatever these top women are doing, and they're coming into the sport. So they don't have years of racing for eight or nine hours, um, which is a whole different mentality. So even though it's not running, I think carrying that sort of racing length of time over has definitely helped me when I've been out in the last two races I've done. It's like, I've literally pretended I was still in an Ironman. So an hour went by and I'm like, okay, I'm out of the water. Yes. Like onto the bike. And then I'm like running along and I was, I see I'm like three, three and a half hours. And I'm like, okay, you're at the turnaround on the bike. Like, you know, on your way back into town in Kona or something like it's, I still use the same mental imagery of where I'm at in the race time wise. And so that was actually why I was most excited about trying the hundred K distance. Cause it was, it looked from past results, like it was going to be around that same Ironman timeframe, that nine, eight and a half, nine hour mark. So I think carrying that just experience racing that long, that endurance has been huge um, along with probably the fueling. I mean, I've been practicing fueling for that, that length of time for so long now that um, coming in, I kind of, I know what has worked in triathlon and I've just been replicating that here. So um, I have that, I guess, okay, I'm going to try to get in 80 grams of carbs an hour. This is how I'm going to do it. Um, hit it every time my watch goes past 15 minutes, like hit again. So it's like, I have that practice and repetition to do it now in trail running and even my gravel racing, um, from what I've done in Ironman. So no nutritional issues, uh, at the, at the two running races at all, would you say like any disturbance in the stomach or yeah, you did. Um, a little bit. I had to go to the bathroom at, uh, this last one. I believe I did at Havelina too, but, um, I've also had to do that in Ironman. So no, like really bad, like gut issues where I, yeah, it's coming back up or anything. I definitely at Havelina, I think it was after say that third lap, like it was tough to get gels in again and, or even some of my, like, um, sport drink just because of how sugary it was. And so I did have Alina have to switch, um, over to some salty items. And I had I had made these like salted boiled potatoes. Um, we had pretzels, we had pickles, like Wadi was just throwing anything we had there. And I would just take mouthfuls at each lap, um, just trying to get something else besides sugar. So that definitely shut down, I would say. But by then I was also just shuffling so slowly and I was like, oh my God, like <laughs> everything's going south quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about your crew. So, uh, you know, we were just watching your Black Canyon recap and, you know, Wadi's filming it all, but you've got these two other guys there and and who are they and how are they helping you out there? Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Paul and Robbie. Um, so they're actually from triathlon as well. They were on our, uh, former Wadi Inc. Gage group team now plush global just have been huge supporters. Um, they still race some triathlon, I believe, but are also primarily just on the dirt sports now. And we're actually there before Wadi and I, uh, kind of have started doing them in the past few months. So it's pretty cool that they have that experience. Um, Paul, he has actually raced some himself, some ultra trail, but also crews for his brother who races, um, them as well. And so he has that crewing experience. Um, and then Robbie, yeah, he's just super chill, low key. Both of them are, um, which I think was huge for me to just have that, like, yeah, come in. They're just like, what can we get you? Like, they're so, yeah, perfect for, I think what, you might want coming in when you might be frazzled, like you're in a race, you're, and you have these two guys that, yeah, they're awesome. They're like, I'm, I feel like you may have met them both probably before, but possibly not like at an ocean side. <laughs> Super yeah, awesome. Maybe. <laughs> um, do they, so that not to, not to keep the comparison in, but now you're, now you're actually able to see friendly faces and have them help you every eight to 10 miles. Whereas, you know, we do these uh, long distance triathlon, you see them at the morning and then they can only cheer. They can't really assist you or help you or do anything uh, to interact. So that's got to be 
uh, a sort of benefit to, and also like freeing, like it's almost like a free, like everybody's doing it and it's, it's gotta be creating a, a good emotion out there. Totally. No, it's, yeah, it's, it's crazy. I feel like we're still working on that side of things. I mean, just moving from Havelina to Black Canyon, we were like, okay, cause they, they crewed for me at um, Havelina and then they were here at this last, last one at Black Canyon, but it was like nailing the aid stations. Okay. This is when I come in this, I'm going to ask for this specifically, or I'm going to be like, okay, I want to change my shoes or not. Like had a specific list. So I was a little bit more organized from the first one, but also at the same time. And, and I, to that point, I think we did better at the second one, just um, being more organized and like, okay, planning ahead, coming in what I would want with the, with the crewing. But I think there's more that could totally be done in terms of like the mental side of things and actually like acknowledging, okay, here I come, I get to see my crew members. I get to see Wadi and Paul and Robbie and being aware of that and being like, okay, here we go. Like this is a moment where it is like you're out here with a team versus like you're going through a super fast transition in triathlon alone, like trying to go super fast. I mean, I was still, it's a race. I'm trying to go fast at them, but it was, um, we're already talking about what we can be doing at say a Western States or like, okay, you see, you see, I watch all the YouTubes like of all these ultra trail runners who have done it for so long and see how they manage these stations and like sit down, like people are taking care of this and that and asking them things. And you have that interaction, you have those like one to two minutes with this crew and that can be race changing and it can be this like moment. Um, and I think, yeah, it, it's cool. It's you're with a team, you're with a, a group versus like you're saying in a triathlon. Yeah. You definitely don't, you see them at the end. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, and it's the whole crewing thing. It's all a part of like the experience of trail racing, which is very different from Ironman. And when I saw you, heading over to, to trail racing and, and doing Havelina, I just thought, my gosh, this, this girl has so much joy and gratitude and loves to have fun. And she's a serious racer, but like that combination is so celebrated, um, in the ultra trail community that it's like, people are out there just doing, doing their job as professional trail runners. They're racing hard, but everybody is also like celebrating. And there's this laid back atmosphere that um, is, I love Ironman community so much, but they're very, they're different. And it's so interesting to see this more like, I don't know, it's like laid back, but not any less hardcore at the same time. Totally. That literally post Havelina first race ever. And Wadi and I walked away and we were like, Oh my God, these, like you're saying, Ironman has given me so much, the community, I have so many friends from triathlon, but the, the trail running community, it's like, you're saying it's this mixture. They, they care, they want to do well, but it's also, they're so laid back and just chill and the race ends. And it's like talking about who knows what like experiences out there. It's not, yeah. Like, I don't know. There is, time to look at how the day went, your pacing, your heart rate, that stuff. But it's not, it's like, they're talking about, Oh my God, did you see so-and-so dressed up as the cow at the top of the jackass aid station? Like stuff like that, where you're like, Oh my God. Yeah, that was crazy. <laughs> or like the naked deer mile people. Like it was just, yeah, it's fun. It's chill. Like you still want to do well, but yeah, it was a totally different environment and vibe. And I, yeah, we just fell in love with it immediately. <laughs> Is there a little bit of like a deconditioning that's happening um, with Ironman? There's there's so much hype and there's the bags and there's the dropping the bike off and then there's the this and you can only swim at this time and and all of that stuff. And then with trail racing, it's like, you're like, okay, I have my shoes. <laughs> Is there, are you, do you find like there's a deconditioning happening where you're like, am I forgetting something? Oh my gosh, completely. I've overpacked twice now for what I actually need. <laughs> it was like, and not just a tiny bit, like way too much. And then also just with the, I think in general, I mean, at Black Canyon, we showed up to the start line. Like, I didn't think it was that unreasonable. I think we were there like 30 or 40 minutes ahead of time. Cause I'm like, okay, are people going to line up? I don't know. There, it was empty. I don't even know that they were like set up. And I was like, <laughs> Wadi and I were sitting there like, whoa, this is really low key. <laughs> 
<laughs> I love that. I think you even had it in some in your video. I remember you were like, I'm, I don't know, am I missing something? I have like two pairs of shoes or three pairs of shoes. I'm going to wear this tank and this long shirt, but that's about it. How many how many pairs of shoes did you use? And I and I asked this question because I know you kind of got to decide. Like, am I going to use my racers because some of the terrain isn't as as uh, challenging, but then you also need that padding for that technical stuff. Totally. Yeah. That is also another area that I'm really trying to dial in. I mean, I started out in, um, Hoka has a new rocket X coming out, which it hasn't been released yet, but, um, they had gone into some of the Kona athletes. I had it from Kona and it's, it's an amazing race flat for the road. Um, just, yeah. And it has that cushion though. It's one of the thicker with still with the carbon plate. I'm like the, and they're, they're so fast. And it it was tough for me to walk away from using that when I thought the first stretch before I would see my crew for the first time was mostly fire road. And it turns out it started fire road. So I was like, Oh, these are going to be great. I'm going to have cushion. I'm going to have a carbon plate. I'm going to feel so fast. And then it turned into single track. And I was like, okay, I might be rolling my ankle a little bit right now. Uh, there were a couple close calls and I was like this. Yeah especially if it's going to get more technical, which that I knew was coming on that course. So I ended up switching at the first crew stop. Um, I pulled on, but I still kept with some of the more road shoes that Hoka does, just the first uh, version of the Rocket X. And those are a little bit smaller profile, still carbon plate, still fast racing shoe. Um, They were... I thought they were okay um, in terms of for the trail, like technically having grip, um, they weren't horrible and they were still giving me that, like, it's also for me about, I've run in them for years now, um, these p- particular versions. And so coming into this higher volume that I was kind of building up and then a race, I don't want to necessarily change too much, um, mm. like do what you do in practice. Right. So it, I, that was partly a, of it too, of why I kept with some of these shoes I'm used to, but I have been spending more and more time in the Hoka Speed Goats, which is a trail specific shoe that I love. I just hadn't necessarily run 60 miles straight in them yet. And so I was, anyways, long story, ended up pulling those on at the final stop when there was about 15 miles to go because the grip really is noticeable, especially on technical terrain to have that, that grip. And so I was, came into that last stop where I saw Wadi. I'm like, I'm, yeah, I'm giving up the, the fast, the quote unquote fast race flats for, uh, <laughs> the trail shoes. So <laughs> I, love it. I did have speed laces in them. So, um, I, I felt okay doing that, uh, like from triathlon. So <laughs> did you use speed laces in your speed goats? Um, yeah. Did I in the speed? Maybe not in the speed goat. Actually, I'm trying to remember. Because now, because I'm thinking that's what I'll do with. Because I have speed goats too, but I rarely wear them because I love the road. I love like the Carbon X or like a Mach Three. Like that's what I will. Oh yeah, yeah. The mocks. I brought the mocks. I thought maybe I'll pull the mocks on because those still have a bit of cush. Um, But again, that (laughs) that bottom tread. Yeah, trail runners are like no. Like, <laughs> that's so funny. They must have seen you with your, you know, your carbon rockets. Yeah. Like, okay, she'll she'll learn. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I just got a pair. I actually have them on right now. The um, actually, what are these called? I'm testing these out right now. These are the torrents. Um, oh yeah, oh those look nice. Yeah. So, oh, look yeah. at that grip. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, got grip. that's exactly. what you need. <laughs> you climb walls with that. Thing. That's what you need. You need that like, you need that like spidey sense, you know, like when you're running, yeah. you can bank, you can bank like the corners and, and that grip is just, it's invaluable. But you know, I, I love that. That's it's like such an Iron Man thing to do. Better wear my shoes. Exactly. I've been training in. <laughs> Yes, that's okay you jumped off the cliff you jumped off the cliff you just did it in your iron man shoes exactly. um so you've had a couple really good battles at these last couple of races and i know we're not really talking about gravel riding um but uh is that did you have that in iron man or is that like because i feel like there's as the sport specifically the top end of ultra running the professional field, it is starting to get more and more 
competitive and we're seeing these these battles. Um, you had a couple good battles in just these two. And how did that compare to like battles you've had in Ironman? Yeah, it's crazy. It's I've had two, two races, two battles. <laughs> I mean, this last one, it was a battle all day. It was crazy. I had, there were lead changes. I mean, from, I don't know, Ida got up to me maybe mile 12 or 13. And from there on out, it was her and I went back and forth all day. And then Keely got up to us um, with probably 20 miles to go. And so it was the three of us um, back and forth. And the craziest thing for me as someone coming from Ironman where I would say I had two or three, I guess, notable battles where I was actually with running with someone or it was this race. Um, one of those was 2017 in Kona. I was running the marathon with Sarah Crowley. We were in third, fourth all day, all the way to the energy lab on the marathon. We got off the bike pretty close together. And so that one was one of the only races, or I guess Ironman distance that long of a day where I was with someone, but it's so different because it's a matter of like when someone cracks the other person, I feel like, or it's when someone starts to pull away, that kind of elastic band is starting to snap and someone is just having that, that better day there. They've either fueled better or they're just pulling away and have that, have that day. And in the trail running, it's completely different just because someone goes by you and they might even get two, three minutes up the road. Like in this, I realized this quickly. I didn't know it coming into the race because in an Ironman, you're like, okay, cra like on that day, Sarah Crowley pulled ahead. She ended up third. I ended up fourth, but she was gone and there was really no coming back. I mean, I was starting to fade that that elastic band snapped in trail running. Ida got down the road. She was probably a minute or two down the road and we were going downhill and she had gap made that gap. And then there was this massive climb ahead of us. And on the climb, like I was back to her pretty quickly and went back by her. And then I think I had a, a pretty good gap on the climb up, um, away from her again. And then sure enough, there's another downhill and she made her way back up. So it's a different dynamic because, um, yeah, you never, it's not just the elastic band snaps and the battles over. It's like people have different skills. Maybe the t terrain changes. Someone's better at technical, someone's better uphill or downhill. Um, and so it's not just like a foregone conclusion, like maybe it happens more so in Ironman. Yeah. I think those later stages, I mean, anything can happen, right? Like you could trip and fall. And I guess you guys were kind of <laughs> tripping and falling near the end. <laughs> yeah. Anything can happen seriously. And it's like, it's, it's not over till the finish line because yeah, it's just, it's a nonstop different skills come into play, not just fitness and, and, maybe how well you fueled on the day or something. It's, it's skills, it's technical, it's uphill running, downhill running, like getting up from a fall, coming around from that. Did you stub your toe? Did, are you injured? I mean, there's so many little things that could happen. <laughs> how will you, um, another laboratory thing, how will you, uh, get to that, that skill level? Like how do you develop skills besides literally just running downhill constantly over and over and over again? Have you thought about that? No, I just, yeah, that is a good question. I mean, I definitely need to get out on the trails um, just to practice the landing, practice the scurrying and the technical side of things. I also don't know that, um, I think that's part of it. I think also I can be doing things not on the trail where I'm maybe going to like go down and break a wrist um, every single day like working on that technically where I can be maybe in the gym or here working on some of these like balance drills and jumping box jumps, um, like squats, jumping off boxes to simulate the landing, um, things like that, that can work on those skills without necessarily going out and possibly risking me face planning over and over. So I think a combo for sure. <laughs> and how is that, how's the gravel riding supporting the running? Um, because yes, you were training for, you know, marathon after marathon after marathon with Ironman, but a hundred miles, uh, I've never run a hundred miles, but it's a totally different beast. And as you're getting ready for Western States, um, <laughs> which is going to be such a big show, um, how's the gravel riding supporting, how are you working that to support the running? 
Yeah. I mean, the gravel riding, I think is just, I mean, well, one, I, abs- I love it. I love, I mean, I love riding. I love running. I hated swimming. So <laughs> gravel riding for me is it's, I'm not changing much from how I trained for triathlon. I think it supports it by you're already fatiguing your legs um, when you go out for a four or five, six hour bike ride, and then you get off and run. I'm continuing to do that, continuing to, to keep with runs off the bike in for that, for the run training is to simulate that, you know, hour seven of the day, hour eight of the day of a running race. It's not actually running obviously for seven hours prior, but I think the biking is just, um, helping overall fitness, overall endurance, but also giving that leg fatigue without going out and just running hundreds of miles and really upping my volume and risking injury or burnout or anything like that. So that's why I'm really keeping, keeping the gravel riding high or, or I guess as I did with Ironman and, and kind of, yeah, using it as, as a, a tool to enhance the running. So just to be clear, the swimming is totally out. <laughs> it's so funny. We're doing it today. Cause I went the other day, <laughs> my first swim ever since Kona, <laughs> my first swim since Kona. Oh my God. That was horrible. I think I got in for 30 minutes. I think I did like 1400 yards. I was like, all right, this is good. 14 is my nice. life. So. I love it. You and I can finally swim together. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you gotta, you gotta gravitate to the things you love. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta do it. And, and triathlon, you have to obviously incorporate the swim and, and, and now it can now in, in this trends in this phase that you're in now, it can just be complimentary and, and you can have a different relationship with it. But I think the cycling and running stacking up is such a powerful place to be is, you know, in our community of athletes, when the runner gets too deep into the running volume and, um, you know, injury or opportunities tend starts to come up in the body. So what are you forced to do? Uh, something else, which is normally cycling, which is low impact. So I totally see that combination being, um, maybe a new way to, to, to train for ultra distance. Have you gotten anybody who's like, has been curious about balancing the two together, this gravel riding and ultra running and putting it together, like not in a, not in a training plan, but in a possibility that we don't have to do the high volume more, maybe not be always better. Yeah, totally. Um, to your question, have I gotten anybody like, yeah. Has anybody been curious about this this mixture that you're putting together? Yeah. I, I've just been getting a lot of, I guess, questions about it just after the two races, but I guess, yeah, for me, it's been just Havelina went well through about that hundred K mark. And so I didn't want to change too much coming into actually doing a hundred K. So I had just kept it pretty similar, uh, my training and also just, um, yeah, I guess, I don't know. Like, I think some trail runners use spiking. I don't know that they use it to the level. I get, not the level. I don't mean that in like a high level, but just maybe a volume amount as, as much meaning they're not doing six hours Saturday rides necessarily. Um, so I think maybe that'll be a new, new approach. Well, if it, if it works, <laughs> we'll see. Well, it, it, well, it is working. Well, this is, this is why I say that because everybody's jumping on the, you know, the bandwagon of the, um, the blood testing and the Norwegian method. And it's like, everybody's onto the next thing. So I think it's just a matter of time before people are like, well, you know, Heather's been successful. And then some people start implementing this over the next year or two. And then, then it gets snowballs to like, well, wow, we're looking at this longevity of, of, of the longevity in the sport of athletes who are not getting as injured as much. And they're actually playing in both worlds. I like how you called it the dirt sports, like, like, like (laughs) not the road sports, like this gravel and trail running and you can have it, you can have them both. Yeah. I think, I mean, exactly what you're saying. I mean, I think, I think they complement each other. I think it, the, the gravel riding will help the running. And then the gravel riding is just it. Well, as someone who loves it and enjoys it, it's so fun. And so I look forward to getting out for that and 
some days I feel like riding more and some days I feel like running more. So to have both where like each day you can be in like whatever inspires you on the day. I mean, depending on your training plan or what, whatever you're doing, um, or what you're leading into. But I mean, I, I love the combo of both because it, it keeps things fresh. Like you can, and you can work on both and you can kind of use both, um, I guess. And so, yeah, I think mentally as well, like you're saying physically for the training aspects for sure. Um, and then I think to the mental side of just, um, having some, some freshness some different things to do. And then, also on the mental side, the, the tra- mental training of being able to get those longer days in, like I'm describing on the weekends of, um, okay, this is simulating some of the later hours in say a longer trail run, um, with the runs off the bike. So, uh, and speaking of longer trail runs, so Western States is, uh, it's, <laughs> it's for 2023, right? You'll be going this year. Yes. Yep. Yeah. I mean, this is like, this is kind of the, the Kona of, of trail running, at least here in the States. Uh, what a, what a great honor. And I know that, um, you know, you received a golden ticket, but girl, you, you definitely earned it at Black Canyon as well. Um, have you already started studying the course or, you know, gathering information from people? (laughs) Yes. Um, yeah, I definitely, I pulled up, I've pulled up the course, um, kind of the profile, trying to get an idea of just, um, yeah, mostly for the downhill training, trying to lay out, okay, this is what I need to work on here. Are some of the longer downhill stretches, kind of just getting an idea on the course profile. Um, and yeah, I guess we will, I mean, we, when we're on the trainers in the garage, we watch all the YouTubes. We would like <laughs> try to study as much as we can or listen to other interviews and just, um, kind of like, l- yeah, listen to others who have done it for sure. Um, so I have a general idea, um, hoping to get out there a few times prior to the race, just to maybe check some areas out. Um, I'm potentially going to be at, there's a Canyons trail race, like a Canyons UTMB trail race. I think it's in April that I'm eyeing, um, potentially as one of the, as a training run, like maybe doing a 50 K, um, if it fits in, but I'm, I'll definitely be in that area for a gravel race, um, in May, um, a fellow Canyon rider, Pete Stetna, um, big gravel racer. He puts on a gravel race in kind of the Reno area. It's called Stetna's pay dirt. It's in mid May. And so, um, I'll be at that event and then was going to plan on using kind of that weekend or, or three or four days after to try to check out some of the the course then as well. So <laughs> that's the plan. Is BWR on your calendar, the Belgian waffle ride, which is local here? And, well, it's not just local here. It's so big now. Um, Michael Marks, who I know you know, he walked in on our last podcast <laughs> when we were sitting down with you. I remember he walked in. Um, yeah, is that on your calendar? Yeah, it's, it's so funny crazy. Because like, there's one here. It's a brand new one. There's one here on Sunday um, in Scottsdale which we had discussed driving up to and just hopping into. But in, in the end, I've decided, uh, I've decided not to, to head up to that one. I just, I'm close to being recovered from black canyons, but I also haven't been doing too much. It's, it'll be, it's almost two weeks, but I've still been, it took, took a while. I was still pretty sore for at least seven, eight, nine days. So, <laughs> um, I've been riding a lot now, but, um, just not ready to, I guess, hop into one of those, but, or that one this Sunday. Um, so, but yes, BWR San Diego, I will be at, that's actually the first one I'm kind of like really, I guess not targeting, but like prepping for, I'm headed to a gravel race next weekend out in Oklahoma. It's called mid South. I don't know if you guys have heard of that one, but, um, it's kind of gained popularity the last couple of years, just almost as a season opener or just kind of get going, but it's a hundred miles out in kind of middle, middle Oklahoma. Um, but then, yeah, I'll be back in a good block heading into yeah, BWR San Diego. And then I'll drive from San Diego up to the next weekend is Monterey, um, or sorry, Sea Otter, which is in Monterey, which is, um, the first stop of the lifetime Grand Prix race series that I was, 
accepted to be a part of this year. Um, it's a seven race gravel series or I guess gravel mountain bike combo, but the first one is a mountain bike. So <laughs> I need to also start mountain biking a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> it's like on the checklist, mountain bike, yeah. gravel tra- bike, trail, sh- trail, trail shoes. shoes, racing shoes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that is, is um, I will oh, go ahead. April. I will be there. <laughs> so cool. Uh, and Canyon. I mean, we can't not talk about Canyon just, you know, oh, just yeah. down the road from us, like uh, you, your new sponsor and what amazing bikes. We both ride Canyons. Oh my gosh. Um, awesome. So perfect. Yeah. yeah that, that was huge. I mean, honestly, like I have to give another shout out to Pete Stetna who kind of set that up last year. I was able to, I was at a few gravel races with him um, last summer unbound. And then also he came to that Oregon trail gravel race that I did last June, which, um, I need to give a huge shout out to anyone looking for a super fun event. That race is amazing. It's like a five day stage race and they just take care of you. It's really cool based out of bend the whole bend Oregon area. So, but I was camping next to Pete every night and, Got to see all his Canyon bikes, his mechanic, uh, big tall Wayne was there working on them. And he actually helped me out prior to even riding for Canyon. And Pete put in a good word with them. Like, yeah, you got to talk to her. And so, yeah, I'm just, I'm so grateful for their support. And, um, they've got some new bikes coming, um, on the way, which is super exciting. I'm on the grizzle right now for my gravel bike and my Canyon Lux just arrived actually like a couple days ago. So that. That's exciting for me to get out on the mountain bike soon. So, um, but yeah, that's awesome. And I, yeah, I'll get to visit them uh, when we're there in San Diego. So that'll be fun. All of these um, just amazing people to step up, community to step up, these experiences that you're having, these things are falling into place, right? And sometimes you can kind of say, this is too good to be true. Like, this is too good to be true. But you have this ethos, I'll call it, which you, you mentioned recently, and I've actually shared it with a few other people. Like you've said, what are you waiting for? Like, what are you waiting for? And if you don't act on the things that you love, how can you expect to have all of these pieces fall into place? So can you, is there an inspiration for that? I just got goosebumps. (laughs) I appreciate that. (laughs) I mean, it's, I got asked this the other day, actually. And I was like, I had to pause because I was like, I feel so grateful that things have fallen into place. And the question was along the same lines of like, yeah, like I feel so lucky. Like you're saying, I have these incredible partners who have followed me into this new journey, who are supporting me, some new partners who are supporting me in this new venture. Um, But, and and yeah, it's like, I sometimes think it's too good to be true. I I can't believe I get to do this and I have this support and it's, I'm truly grateful every single day. And, but I guess if that hadn't happened or I hadn't fallen into this part of my life where everything is, I guess, clicking and I am finding this like happiness and joy and everything is falling in place, then it would be that step to find that. And I, so it would be like, okay, then you would make that next shift. Like, what are you waiting for? If, if you're not happy with where you are, then try to help snowball things to, like to fall into where they are all fitting together and always um, kind of trying to find that where you are feeling your best, feeling the happiest and every day is joyful and you get to live in that moment that is bringing you happiness. And so it is partly on you to like, make that step. If you aren't happy with where you are, you can, and not necessarily everything's going to just fall in automatically or in place. And, and it's not always easy. It's definitely scary to make those changes and maybe they don't happen right away. But then if that doesn't happen, keep moving and keep trying to find that, that place where things are coming together. So yeah, that, that's kind of what I, I'm trying to get at with the, what are you waiting for? I mean, I, I, I had these new things I wanted to try and and go after, but like I had known triathlon for so long, but I didn't know what I was waiting for anymore. I wasn't the happiest anymore. I still loved it, but I wasn't fully, I guess, fulfilled. I was just like going through the motions. I had done it for so long. And um, yeah, I, the, what are you waiting for truly came from Wadi, my husband, 
because he kept saying to me, I mean, what, why aren't you trying Why aren't you trying unbound or why aren't you trying a trail run? Like, what are you waiting for? And I didn't have an answer to it <laughs> really at the end of the day anymore. I think I used to say like, oh, I don't want to get injured in my Kona prep. I don't want to like crash or I didn't want to like, I, yeah, I had reasons in my head, but I no longer had that because I, those seemed more exciting to me than kind of going after say another Ironman again, or, okay, I can prep for Ironman Arizona again, or like it didn't have the same, the same joy, the same excitement anymore. So I attribute all that to Wadi literally truly just asking me that question. (laughs) And, you know, things are going to run their course. It's, you know, it's like you were, lining up at the races and you were noticing a little bit of a lackluster and things are going to run their course. And one thing I learned a long time ago was like, go until you know, you know, just go until you know, like this is done. And then the other side of knowing that something's done is a leap. It's always a leap. So if we know that it's always a leap, then, then, you know, what are you waiting for? Just go, you got to do it. And we're all going to yeah, you're grateful and you're joyful and you and and people see you smile a lot. But I'm sure that none of this has been without great challenge. Um and with great challenge comes profound reward. Um and so, you know, we're all we're all on this we're all on this treadmill of life together. And so, you know, you can raise the elevation, you can play with that, or you can just keep going at the same speed and just let that thing go round and round and round. And I think that that, you know, will expand more lackluster in your life. And yeah, it's scary to take risk, but take it. Because oh anybody who's smiling and saying they have a grateful heart for every day has taken the risk. <laughs> no. Oh my gosh. What you just said was, I literally have goosebumps again. It's so true. And so, yeah, you spoke it so well when I was trying to get out. But yeah, that 100%. It's like, it's so true. <laughs> So what's, so, okay. So we're doing gravel riding. We've got Western States. Mm-hmm. Anything else we've got brewing or is that enough? <laughs> <laughs> well, so the main, another yeah. puppy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That, that may or may not have come up. I'm like, I think Stevie needs to play friend. <laughs> um, well, the, so the main, I would say the big, the two big goals right now I'm focused on are unbound, which is a 200 mile gravel race, uh, three weeks ahead of Western States. So, Um, that is kind of a crazy double crazy, but also for me, I'm kind of like, okay, it's actually a great final big weekend. Like I'll have a 10 hour day on the bike, which is a good fitness boost three weeks out. Everything will kind of come down after that. And then I'll do a run, um, a run the next day on those tired legs, um, before I start to really freshen up. So I think I usually do my biggest weekend three weeks out from an event. So, uh, not biggest, but the final, final, I guess, bigger day before bringing things down. So I think, I think it's great that unbound is before the run. I think the other way it wouldn't work uh, necessarily. So, but unbound Western States are the two, yeah, <laughs> big ones um, from a, a zoomed out lens right now. I'll have some of these other gravel races um, coming up. Um, just good training days, races I want to do well at, but are on the path towards June. Um, and then July, I figure I'll be fully recovering, kind of, um, trying to come around from, from June. Um, and then August brings the next race of the lifetime series, which is Leadville. So, uh, Leadville, hundred mile mountain bike, um, which has always just, yeah, been a bucket list event. I don't know if it necessarily suits me. I haven't yet done anything at that altitude or (laughs) that extent. So I think it'll be a pretty crazy race, but for me, I'm just excited. I mean, that you, you hear of Leadville as someone not in that space, you're like a Leadville. And I, yeah, so that's just exciting to, to get to do that one. Um, the weekend after Leadville is, yeah, it's still going. Keep it coming. Yeah. Um, it's called SBT. It's a gravel race in Steamboat Springs. Um, oh, cool. Oh, Steamboat's beautiful. awesome, yeah. I've never been, so I'm excited. It's a big Wahoo event, um, so I'm excited to just uh, Leadville over to Steamboat. Shouldn't be too crazy. Um, and then there are a couple more lifetime events in September 
Um, one's a mountain bike and then one's a gravel race in Colorado as well. And then the final lifetime event is, um, it's called big sugar. It's the one I did this year after, uh, Kona. So mid October is, um, yeah, that one, it's a hundred miles. So that's the final of the seven races, um, of the series. So that's for sure. I might plug in, uh, something end of year, like, yeah, maybe <laughs> we'll see maybe. how that's like, we'll maybe, maybe a trail race. Um, yeah. Ahead of next, like, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> but those oh are my the gosh. That's, that's going to be so much fun, uh, to follow. And, um, it's been a joy, absolute joy spending time with you this afternoon. Thank you so much for being here and sharing so generously with our audience. They all love you. And I'm sure they're going to be so pumped to see that mm-hmm. you're back on the show. Oh my goodness. Thank you guys for having me. No, when I got the email, I was like, yay, <laughs> love you guys. Love all you're doing. And so, yeah, thank you for having me back on. 